0: Since most Americans are monolinguals, it's easy for us to assume monolingualism is normal. Yet an estimated 60-65%
1: to of humans in the world are bilingual, meaning they speak two or more languages.
0: Thus it's more normal to be bilingual than monolingual.
1: Moreover, many countries promote and invest in bilingualism for the benefits it brings to its citizens and its economy.
0: So this is our first of a new kind of episode...
1: In addition to reporting on bilingualism in America, we'll be reporting on bilingualism in other countries as well.
0: Because it's from seeing other countries that we can see more clearly the possibilities for our own. I'm Steve Levine. I'm
1: Fernando Hernandez.
0: And welcome to this new episode, America the Bilingual Goes to Morocco.
1: Why did you choose Morocco
0: for your first overseas reporting? Because of this rather remarkable woman.
2: Yes, I'm Noushash Kronis. I have doctorate in uh, linguistics, social linguistics, in Sorbonne Nouvelle of Paris. And uh, so I taught at the university, and uh, I was involved in political party, mainly for uh, women's rights. And yes, I've been minister and ambassador of Morocco to Canada.
0: Ambassador to Canada? Yes, Nouza was one of our colleagues when Lori and I spent a year at Harvard in the Advanced Leadership Initiative program. Although she apologizes for her English, which is her third language, Nouza became a favorite among her classmates. So when she invited us all to visit Morocco, about 20 of us leaped at the chance.
1: And did I hear her say she has a PhD in sociolinguistics from the Sorbonne?
0: Yes, so what a perfect person to ask about the languages of Morocco, right? But Nouza was so busy shuttling us around to various universities and museums as well as to rural areas that the only chance I had to record our conversation was on our bus which is the sound you hear in the background
2: Just uh, remind you that Morocco is a monarchy parliamentary monarchy so we have elections every five years the elections is for the parliament we have two chambers, we have lots of political parties from the left, the center, and the right.
0: Fernando, everywhere we visited, it seemed, we saw a portrait of their king, Mohammed VI. He seems to be very popular.
2: Of course, the leadership of His Majesty the King is very important. He's at the same time the symbol of the unity of the country. He's involved in building and reforming.
1: Steve, was Morocco rocked by the Arab Spring?
0: Yes, Morocco did have demonstrations and it reformed its constitution in 2011, shifting some powers from the king to the parliament. It also made a change in its bilingual policy. It made Berber an official language alongside of Arabic. Here's news.
2: So I have to mention that we are bilingual by our identity who is based on Arabic and Amazir. Now,
0: Amazir is what uh, Americans might call Berber, but Amazir is the correct.
2: Exactly, is the correct word.
0: So, are the
1: Amaziri the indigenous people of Morocco?
0: They are. They were in North Africa before the Arabs arrived in the seventh century. Amaziri, which has several dialects, is still one of the major languages spoken in Morocco, as we'll hear. But first, I asked Noosa about her own languages. So you started French, did you say you were eight years old?
2: Yes, when I started French, I was eight uh, eight years old.
0: And then was it French and Arabic equally through school? How did that work out?
2: Yes, exactly. The morning we studied Arabic from 8.30 to 11.30 or noon, yeah, three hours. Per day in the morning Arabic, and three hours French. When I studied, it was, you know, a long time ago. The majority of disciplines were in French. Mathematics in French, science in French, in French history and geography, everything was in French. But Arabic, of course, we studied all the discipline in all sides of Arabic.
0: The Moroccans I met, including Nouza, are quick to point out that Morocco was not a French colony, but a protectorate. And when they became independent, it was without bloodshed. They seemed to retain a fond connection with France and in fact see themselves as a vital link between Africa and Europe.
2: We are at the crossroad from Sahara.
0: How Moroccans say Sahara instead of Sahara. From
2: Andalusia, the Jewish, Arabs... Muslims. So there are a mix of many, many things. This is our v- division of Morocco because we, b- we believe that the Mediterranean Sea is a link, is a bridge for Europe. And now I hope that the Atlantic will be a strong bridge with Americas also. So this is how we see things.
1: So is English on the
0: rise in Morocco? Nusa says there is a rise in English, especially among young people.
2: In my generation, we went mostly to study in France. However, since at least more than one decade, people also go to United States and to Canada to study. So all those, when they are back, they are fluent in English, and they bring their added value to our country
0: is amazingly diverse geographically. As news has said it faces both the Mediterranean and the Atlantic, but in its interior it has the high Atlas mountains and beautiful sand dunes too, what they call the pre-Sahara. I looked up the stats.
1: Morocco has a population of 34 million, which is about equal to Canada, and its population is 62% urban.
0: And we visited the major cities of Rabat, Fez, Marrakesh, and Casablanca. But in between, we drove a big loop through the countryside.
1: Was your group all English speakers?
0: We had a couple of Latinos among us, and a few of us spoke some French, but we spoke English among ourselves. So you must have had a guide. We had a wonderful guide, and over the long days we spent together, I had a chance to get to know him. One evening, before our group was to have dinner, I sat down with our guide, Aziz Gumi. Okay, we're recording now. Would you explain where we are?
3: We are in a, in a hotel called the Berber Palace in the city of Ouzed. Ouzed is a southeastern city in the pre-Saharan plateau, at the foothills of the High Atlas, on the southern part of Marrakesh.
0: And we're feeling this delicious breeze going through the orange trees and smelling the orange blossoms, and seeing the oranges up above. And there's birds chirping.
3: Yeah, springtime, it's about the time to see all the the blooming of the trees and the happiness of the birds. He sounds like a nice guy.
0: Aziz is a very nice and patient man.
4: Steve,
1: I've heard that Arabic is one of those languages that has quite different dialects depending on which country you're in.
0: That's right. I've learned that Arabic speakers will speak the dialect of their country plus a standard version of Arabic. It's what linguists call diglossia. I asked Aziz about that. How is Moroccan Arabic different from modern standard Arabic that we would hear on television?
3: Well, uh, Moroccan Arabic it is a bit different from the classical Arabic although derived from it because most of the words that we utter have Arabic origin. There's a few borrowed words from the Berber dialect and there's French words in that Moroccan Arabic because of the French presence here between 1912 and 1956. They've left a big impact language-wise.
0: So give us some examples if can you say some things in modern standard arabic and then some moroccan arabic so we could hear the differences
3: Okay So I'll say a sentence which is uh, we are sitting in around in the garden of the hotel yeah So nahnu fi That's classical arabic same sentence in moroccan arabic would be like hna or it could be l'hôtel, because we use the word hotel instead of in Arabic because of the French again.
0: Now say that same sentence in French.
3: On est assis dans le jardin And give it to us in English. We're sitting in the, in the gardens of the hotel.
1: Why did Aziz learn his English? He
3: speaks so well. In Morocco, we we don't study English until high school.
0: But Aziz had the advantage, through his older brother, of meeting American exchange students
3: when Aziz was in junior high. And that's how I started, you know, trying to uh, speak English. And what helps me most is music. Can you remember a particular song or two that you really liked? Oh, yeah. Hotel California by the Eagles and uh, Father and Son by Cat Stevens. Oh,
1: yeah. remember those. Meeting native speakers and learning the music, that's a good
3: formula. Yes, I mean, it was like a love story, you know, like ever since I was introduced because probably of the challenge of American students. After getting his
0: undergraduate degree in Morocco, Aziz came to the U.S. and got his MBA
3: from Johnson & Wales in Rhode Island. Trying to communicate that has pushed me to learn, you know, like what is this and what is that, and I'm still doing that. When I was in 15 and now I'm 41, so I'm still doing the same thing, learning.
0: Aziz explained a bit more about the recent official recognition of the
3: indigenous Amazighri language, in the wake of the Arab Spring. It was a big triumph after 2011 when Amaziri languages and Amaziri script were recognized as official. And that's why as we tour tour through Morocco, we've noticed a lot of new scripts taking over. I had noticed this unusual and beautiful script on the walls of museums. Many of the official buildings, we will have the... The three scripts now, the Arabic, in the Arabic letters, Arabic alphabets, and the French Latin script, and the Tifinar. Tifinar is the name of the new Amazigh script. And when did that start? About 20 years ago, but it's it's not a new script. The linguists who revived this script, they say it's very antique. goes back to the Phoenician time.
1: Steve, I've got the language statistics on Morocco from our usual source, Ethnologue. Virtually, all Moroccans speak either Arabic or Amaziri as their native language, and almost all Amazigh speakers also speak Arabic. About one-third of the population speaks French, and about 4% speak Spanish. There's no mention of English.
0: Because there is so little English spoken, and it's not yet registering on the statistical records, The fact that Aziz
3: speaks English so well opened up opportunities for him. The first movie I worked for was Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down, that movie with Josh Harnett. You know, there was a lot of movies here that were shot in different parts of Morocco. A lot of uh,
0: Hollywood productions. We saw lots of movie posters and photos signed by actors in the restaurants around the country. Aziz was a young man in his hometown of
3: Rabat when the movie business really ramped up. I heard there was a movie being shot on the other side of the river where I live. Me and a couple of friends, graduates from university, said, well, let's go and see if they they want somebody to work. And we went and we were hired on the spot because of languages. Why? What do you mean your languages? Because the production is English-speaking. And there will be a lot of labor. And speaking both languages, you're bridging the production with the locals.
0: Uh, so the movie guys could speak to you in English and you could get things done in Arabic.
3: Yeah, because there's a lot of Moroccan labor, drivers. I started coordinating, but like being a prop man, so not just coordinate. So I work with my hands and with my tongue. <laughs> I love that, working with my hands and with my tongue.
0: Aziz worked as a movie prop man for several years, but found the work surprisingly labor-intensive. Building the sets required lots of heavy lifting, so he studied to become a national guide. I loved how you stopped the bus along the highway and walked us over to some shepherds who were there tending their flock, and we all
3: got to greet them and speak to them through you. Well, I find it a good way. You know, like, uh, rather than just speak about the shepherd, to meet him and talk to him, that sounds, you know, more humane, trying to understand the hardships of a shepherd in the middle of the, in the, middle, of the middle atlas. Aziz helped me understand more about the colour of the
0: bilingualism in Morocco.
3: Whoever goes to school in Morocco is a bilingual because we grew up uh, with, you know, French and Arabic and of course whoever is a berber in morocco is trilingual
0: Aziz is qualified to lead tours anywhere in the country, but he was careful to hire a local Berber or Amazigh guide for our hikes into the countryside. Our first local guide was Mohammed. Aziz says his name properly. Mohamed Khatiri. Mohammed is a tall, handsome man dressed in a brown jalaba and a broad brimmed straw hat. What's a jalaba? It's like a long shirt that reaches almost to the ground, an outer garment. You can see photos of Muhammad in our episode notes. He took us to tea at his home and then we hiked to the top of a local mountain. At the top, we paused to catch our breath and take in the view. Aziz helped me interview Muhammad. So, tell me about your languages. What languages do you speak?
4: Me, I speak first Beber and after Arab, French, Spanish, and English. And now, it's only five years ago, I speak better English because I protect with people, because me, I never go to the school.
0: Your English is very good, yeah. and seguro que tu español es mejor que yo. Ha!
1: You just said you're sure his Spanish is better than yours, and you're right.
4: Sí, me gusta también hablar español, porque ahora tienes mucha gente de España que viene ahí por visitar, y también me gusta hablar <laughs> español.
1: And he answered that lots of Spanish people come here and he likes to speak Spanish with them.
4: Now, in your home,
0: you spoke some beautiful Berber. It was a toast when we were toasting with the tea. Can you say what you were saying before?
4: In Berber, libito, li mebito li mebito. And what does that mean? It mean in English, she si like, I like. She si don't like, I don't like. If you like, I like. Yes. If you don't like, I don't like. Yes. Can you say it again in your language? Libito, bito libito, me mebito.
0: That's beautiful, and and speak a little Arabic for us
4: as well. Oh, that's beautiful,
3: and Aziz, can you translate for him? Sure, yeah. Well, Mohammed was just saying that it's good to have all these languages. Because the whole word comes here and he's got, you know, the medium, which is those languages to connect with the word. So that's why he feels very happy. Fernando, as you can hear, Mohammed's
0: English is a bit rough, but then I remember it's his fifth language.
3: Yes,
1: another Moroccan who makes his living with his tongue.
0: My friends and I were traveling around Morocco in a little English bubble. But I have to say, a little language bubble does have its benefits. And why is that? I mean, we got to know one another, sharing all those experiences together and just spending lots of time. We really strengthened our friendships. I
1: can understand
0: that. But when I stepped out of our English bubble without Aziz, it could be uncomfortable. Tell me. Well, at one of our hotels, I had to go to the men's room, so I stepped into the hotel restaurant, but couldn't find the men's room. It was off hours, and there was only one fellow working behind the bar. I asked him first for the men's room. I got a blank stare, and I said restroom, another stare. Idiotically, I even tried WC. (laughs) Finally, I tried banyo. And a look of comprehension appeared on his face, and he pointed downstairs to the left, etc.
1: You might have said toilette.
0: Yeah, thanks for the tip.
1: Did Aziz
0: give you a few words and expressions, what we call bots of bilingualism? He did actually, while we were in the bus, he would drill us on a few pleasantries, and I,
3: of course, needed some extra help. Here's That's an a really easy hard, one. Here's an easy one. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, morning of light is sabah Nur. Spa nur. 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 Remember the name of the solar plant is Nur? Yes. So Nur is light. Okay, so S- how do you say it? Sabah nur. Spa Nur. Sabah. Sp- sabah Sp- is morning. Sp- Sabah Nur. Sabah Nur. Morning light? Yeah. And that's no, a greeting? Yeah, that's a greeting. That's like a morning of lights.
0: The following day, we arrived at a remote mountain village, and Aziz hired another local Amaziri to
3: take us on a long hike.
0: So, Aziz. Here we are. Can can you describe where we are?
3: We're in the high atlas. We're in an area called Wirgen. It's uh, south of the Chishka Pass that we drove through yesterday, coming from the pre-Sahara to Marrakesh. So we have a, a local guide with us here, and he's the one who took us to the top of the mountains where we are now. And we're hosted by a... Berber family, we're going to be eating couscous. There you go, eating lunch again.
0: (laughs) It's what I do best. And I have to say, we had a lot of couscous in Morocco, but this lunch, high in the mountains in a Berber village, was the best.
1: I assume it was anything but touristy
0: you know you're right we sat on pillows on the floor of his home and they put two huge tangine bowls next to us on the floor and gave each of us a big serving spoon and nothing else we ate out of the common dish after lunch aziz and i were waiting for
3: abdul to get a minute to chat so you said abdul was born here uh, yes that way he said he was born in this village and he he's married he's 31 he's got three kids And he got married with a girl from the village. So here is Abdul. We will ask him.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Can you? um, There. Thank you for taking some time with us. Welcome. So, were you born here? Yes. What language do you speak? Your native language.
4: I speak French, English.
3: Your native Uh, language, your mother's language.
4: uh, I'm a Berber, so I speak English with with. uh, It's not school, just with people.
0: So you speak Berber or Amazir? Amazir, yeah. Amazir yes. and Arabic? Arabic, yes, sir. And you also speak French and English? Yes.
4: Yeah.
0: And tell me about your children. What languages do they speak? Berber. And anything else? No. Do they learn French in school?
4: Yes, uh, I learn French and Arabic in school. Hmm. Yeah.
0: And what do you hope for your children in terms of their languages? How many... What languages do you wish your children to speak?
3: Berber, Berber. What else? Shnokhor, Besides Berber.
4: Shnokhor. you, French or
0: Arabic. Fernando, you know how I often ask people why they do
3: what they do.
1: Yeah, and you often get emotional responses.
0: So why do you do what you do?
3: Me? <laughs> Uh,
0: from,
4: from, uh, uh, from, from money. Job. Job, my job.
0: Uh-huh. Yes. Abdul answered me plainly enough. <laughs> he must have thought you were an idiot. No doubt. Check out the photo on our episode notes and you'll see that. When our tour of the Moroccan countryside finished, we returned to the city for a two-day conference. Nusa had assembled a list of university and government officials to speak to us, discussing such topics as the changing role of women in the Arab world to the economy of Morocco.
1: Did they all speak English?
0: Yes, but Nusa told me it was hard to find experts who could or were willing to address us in English.
1: But you said English is making inroads in Morocco.
0: Yes, but we could tell many of those addressing us were having difficulty with English. One presenter got so frustrated that part way through her presentation she just switched to French. One of her colleagues had to rush up to the lectern and try to interpret for us. Oh. And I'll never forget lunch that day. I was seated next to a well-dressed young man, very professional looking, but he spoke Arabic and French and no English.
1: Um, was it a long lunch?
0: (laughs) Very long, with wonderful food and many courses. I tried some Spanish with him, but he was equally blank on that. He gave up on me and spent the lunch texting and speaking on his phone. Or
1: maybe it was just a millennial thing.
0: <laughs> maybe, I, but I could hear the beautiful Arabic and French he was speaking with different people, and I felt bad to have missed out on the opportunity to hear a story.
1: So, the rise of English among the young is not universal.
0: It seems to be only some of the young. I continued my questions for Nouza. So do you think that the rise in English is coming at the expense of French or Arabic, or is it in addition to?
2: Yes, I think it is, you are right, because even the Francophonie is aware about this challenge.
0: So the Anglophones are rising at the expense of the Francophones? I think so. How does that happen? Where do you see that in Morocco?
2: I think the I will tell you that language is not only the means of communication, it's how you represent the world. I think the anglophone word is more attractive than the the French word. Why? I think it's adapt more to the new realities. And I think the most important point is about business creating wealth. So I think the Francophonie has a long time given a lot of importance to the culture, which is crucial.
0: There may be another important distinction between how French and English are perceived. So, someone explained to me that an advantage English has over French in Morocco is that the French are very particular about how one speaks French, and that they draw many distinctions and conclusions about people who speak French well or not so well, but that doesn't appear to be the same with English. English is more democratic. You're nodding.
2: I think um, French they are so exigeant.
0: Translate that, please.
2: I don't know. It's <laughs> ex- very going... Oh, precise
0: or... Yes, um,
2: maybe precise on the... Uh,
0: exacting? Exactly. Nusa talked about the history of French as the language of the Enlightenment and that this important historical legacy is one reason the French so value the pureness of their language.
2: I think French are very eager to preserve and to protect their language from any deviances. It could make you not feel, feel not very comfortable when you are not expressing yourself very well, because it's still a foreign language for us. In French open- is a
0: foreign language for you?
2: Yes, it is not a national or official language in Morocco. It's foreign language.
0: Have you encountered any young people who speak English well, but not French well?
2: Mm, No. No, Not yet, anyway. Not yet. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you think that will come?
2: I believe, yes.
0: And so you believe that English will increasingly replace French as a, a third language in Morocco?
2: This is actually what is happening right now.
1: Steve, you were asking Nusa to explain some pretty subtle things while speaking in her third language.
0: I was thinking the same thing as we rode the bus and I could see news of getting text messages in Arabic and French. We are done except for one thing. I wanted you to speak a little bit of Arabic for me and a little bit of French for me. To say anything you want to say.
2: Uh, it was a great opportunity for me to have you you are friends from harvard and it was an opportunity to visit to see uh, some dimension of my country uh, to meet with people and uh, to visit many cities uh, different so it is a great pleasure and i thank you for being here
0: well, we are the ones who thank you for uh, an incredible, life-changing week. And now, can you speak a little French for me?
2: Yes, sure. So, I think I'm going to exactly the same thing, that it's a moment of joy for me to receive such a number of...
0: Whether English comes to partly replace French or comes in addition to French, Noosa says bilingualism is key both for the national unity and for Morocco to serve as that bridge between Africa, Europe, and the Americas.
2: We are in a globalized world, so we are developing all our skills in Arabic, Amazigh, French, and even I'm trying in my bad English to just an example how we, we see things and how we aspire to continue to be.
0: America the Bilingual podcast is part of the Lead with Languages campaign of Actful, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. This episode was written by me, Steve Levine, and edited by Fernando Hernandez, who also does our sound design and mixing. Mim Harrison is our editorial and brand director for the America the Bilingual project. Graphic arts are created by Carlos Plaza Design Studio. Associate Producer is Becky Rankin, and Carolyn Dowdy is our social media maven. Thanks to Alejandro Capriles and Daruma Tech for making our website work so well. My special thanks to our dear ALI colleagues for their counsel and companionship throughout our travels in Morocco. Music in this episode, Quasi-Motion by Kevin MacLeod, was used with a Creative Commons Attributions License. Our thanks to Epidemic Sound for helping us make beautiful music together. Support for the America the Bilingual project comes from the Levenger Foundation. Visit americathebilingual.com to see photos of the Moroccans you just heard, plus a couple of embarrassing shots of me, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. For America the Bilingual, this is Steve Levine.